Welcome to today's episode. Today's episode is called Subscribing to Idolatry. I'm going to start off by telling a story that's completely hypothetical, unless it's not. So if you've already been listening to the series, you may have heard me talk about quantum salvation. I'm going to go right back into sharing that again for those who missed it. And this time I want to draw something else out of that understanding. So here's what this is. Quantum salvation. Imagine there was a whole group of humans that loved this idea of, you know, being saved for the afterlife. We want a good, heavenly, nice afterlife experience. But we don't really like the whole Jesus Christ guy and his teachings, you know, and so we want an alternative to that. But we want to feel like we have some sort of assurance that there's enough people out there helping that, you know, I feel like I've kind of been helped. So what we're going to do is we're going to come up with this whole new field and the entire field is devoted to the idea of being born again or having some sort of spiritual experience that helps me believe that I have achieved this idea of being saved yet without Jesus Christ. So we create this field and we call it quantum salvation. Well, we need a lot of help on this, a lot of help. We do know that there's a lot of spiritual things in this earth. There's a lot of spiritual beings, a lot of people who have had spiritual experiences, you know, and a lot of them from different kind of backgrounds. So we start getting people to go out and begin researching. People begin to look at everything. Let's look at Buddhism. Let's look at spiritualism. Let's look at the monks. Let's look at, you know, Muhammad, the Muslims, the Jews, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, just everybody out there claiming some sort of spiritual thing. And then let's start looking at all the other spiritual people. Find the random guys living in the caves and on the mountains, you know, the isolated ones. Let's look at what they have to say. We're going to get out there and we're going to research. We're going to look for these various drugs that people use. It is actually becoming a thing now to where you can go down and get injected with ketamine to have basically a drug trip. And that is proposed as a spiritual solution to help people overcome problems. That's a real thing. I was actually at a festival recently and I actually picked up the little flyer to bring home just to read it because I had never even heard of such a thing. And that's that's a normal thing now, or at least it's becoming popular. They're especially marketing it to the veterans, a lot of the war veterans who need help. Um, I am a war veteran myself, but I'm not going into that today. So here's this quantum salvation idea. We've got all these people out there, all these researchers, they're researching, they're researching. And there's a number of people that start coming to them and they start having, you know, a variety of seemingly spiritual experiences. People are walking away and they're like, all right, well, I feel like I had something spiritual happen to me. Surely that was me being saved, right? I mean, I don't really know and I won't know until I die, but you know, it's convincing enough for the moment. So here's this idea. We've got all these researchers out here. They begin to bring back the data and I need a practitioner. I need help. Here I am, a dude that's lost. I don't know what it means to be saved. Well, where do I go to find this whole idea of being saved for my spirit? 
well, we need some practitioners. That's what we're looking for. I need somebody I can go to. And he's like, hey, here's all the different techniques I've gathered from around the world based on our latest data and research that might be able to help you have this spiritual experience that people are calling being saved. So I go down to this guy. I try to get some help. Well, maybe I get screwed up a little bit. You know, I walk away and I'm like, ah, I feel now like I'm possessed by something, you know, but it's not something good. I walk away in a worse state. And so that's not a good thing. You know, I walk away, maybe I'm full of anger and rage and violence and, you know, something, something that I wasn't full of before I went for this experience. I don't know what it is, but this starts happening to people. There's a number of people this is happening to, even though there's some people that are being helped. And because there are people that are walking away who are not being helped, at some point, the government has to step in and say, hey, hold on now. These people that are not being helped, this is a problem. We're going to go ahead and start regulating this idea of being saved. The government needs to get in on this, definitely to protect the people. So what we're going to do is we're going to create all of these rules, licensing programs, and we'll put together educational institutes where people can go and they can be trained to be experts in this idea of quantum salvation. Again, this is pursuing salvation through any name other than Jesus Christ. So now we have these schools that eventually get built. We have these practitioners that go, they get highly educated, highly, highly educated. They're learning all the different techniques from all over the world. They're seeing whatever the latest researchers are saying, oh yeah, we really seem to be having results with this one or the other one. And they begin to practice this. This becomes a normal thing. In the previous uh, episode that I did, I called this quantum men and quantum women. These are practitioners of quantum salvation. This is completely made up. Kind of. So I go down the street. Now I've got a quantum man or woman who is here to assist me with this idea of being saved. I get to pick who I want to go to. They have a variety of techniques and practitioners depending on where I go. Well, there's an overhead cost to this, and the government sees that. We have a dilemma because of this overhead cost. It's expensive for me to go to this quantum man or quantum woman and try to figure out you know, ways that I feel like I've experienced being saved as they just practice all their different techniques on me. It's expensive. It costs them a lot of money. They spent many years having to go through school and education on understanding of physics, quantum physics, spiritual things, all kind of weird things that the average person would not just learn growing up because it's not what we're really exposed to in school or on television. So these guys have to go and they got to become experts. And that's a, that's a, it's a big overhead cost. They spend years of their life dedicated to this. It costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to these educational institutes. Well, how are we going to help pay these guys now that I need some spiritual help? That is what I want to talk about. The government realizes, and it's become painfully obvious, that there's a lot of people who are seeking and desiring some sort of spiritual help for their spirit. The government is here to help the people. And that's what they do. 
they step in and they decide, look, this is expensive for people to be just paying out of their pockets, you know, all of these treatments. Some of the some of these techniques, some of these things take time. You got to go, you got to get strapped down in a chair, you're injected with ketamine, you might be there for hours. Some of the things they give you, you might be in some sort of altered experience for hours, maybe even days, depending on what it is you're taking. We might need to repeat it. Maybe, maybe you get into an experience that takes you 12 hours of an altered state and it doesn't quite give you that spiritual breakthrough. So we repeat it again the next day and the next day. And because it would be dangerous for you to be out there on your own having these experiences, you know, we're going to have an overhead facility. There's going to be these places that you can come to, a retreat center. You can stay there locked up under the supervision and care of one of these now professional quantum men or women who have been trained in this. We've got to pay for this somehow. So since the government's here to help us, they decide that everybody in the nation, whether they need the spiritual help or not, but you know, everybody has a spirit. So everybody in theory might need spiritual help. Well, everybody in the nation is going to go ahead and join a, an insurance plan. That would be a really good idea. Let's have an insurance plan to where everybody will help pay a little bit of the cost and those who really, really need the help can go and get it and they can get it at a fraction of the overhead cost. So now if I need help from this quantum man or woman, it's not going to cost me ten or $20,000 out of my pocket. You know, I can just get in with a nice little copay of 50 bucks and it costs you $10,000 out of your pocket so that I only have to pay 50 bucks. Thank you. Thank you very much to those who help support this. I definitely like not having to pay $10,000 for some experimental treatment that may or may not give me the spiritual experience I'm pursuing. But then one day we run into a problem. There's all these church people talking about salvation is the thing that they do, the thing that they preach. Yeah, I mean, we hear you, but you're still going to be required to pay money towards the system of quantum salvation. It's government mandated and you'll be punished if you don't. On top of that, how do we know that your salvation is real? We don't see tangible results. This becomes an interesting predicament for especially the church, the Christians, those who have strong held faith, belief in God, who they believe God alone is their savior because now they are required to pay money out of their pocket so that a pagan form of salvation can exist throughout the nation. I mean, this is just hypothetical, maybe. But I wonder how long it would take for the Christians to realize that this quantum salvation entire system existed to replace their faith throughout the nation. And not only that, to force them to pay money out of their pockets to replace 
the message of their Savior throughout the nation. Let's go a step further. You know, there's now a whole government-regulated, approved training program in the message of quantum salvation. But there's a dilemma. These church people are trying to preach another message of salvation, and they have not been through the government-approved program and education system. They are not licensed through the government to preach the message of salvation. We've got to do something about these church people. We've got to figure out a way to shut them up for trying to preach something that they don't have a legal right any longer to preach because it is now regulated by the government. It would be crazy to think that something like that could ever happen. That quantum salvation idea sounds absolutely ridiculous. I did make that up, by the way. Kind of. But can you imagine if all of the Christians throughout our nation were required to pay money and support a system that was completely contrary to their faith in God, completely against and at war against their Savior, Jesus Christ, and that by financing it, they actually helped advance the very thing that is exalting itself against the knowledge of their Savior. If that system did not have finances coming into it, it would eventually collapse. Think about that. If you're not receiving a paycheck for whatever work you're doing and you have no money coming in, there's a good chance you're eventually going to be looking for something else that does have money coming in. If I was a quantum salvation practitioner and I didn't get paid any money and there was no longer, you know, people coming in and paying me 10,000 bucks because they didn't have it, and all of a sudden the quantum salvation insurance companies no longer had finances because the people just rebelled and quit paying them money, it's very possible me as a quantum salvation practitioner would be in the market for a new job. Also, I'm not sure how long that system would survive if the people would quit financing it. So that's why we need the government to definitely mandate it in that circumstance. I mean, it's the law. What are the people going to do? Rebel and quit financing a system that's at war with their own message? Doubtful. They'll pay it. Shifting gears a little bit here now, kind of away from the message of quantum salvation. Hopefully you can kind of see what I'm laying out there and understand that. In the previous episodes in this series, we've already discussed what salvation is for the Christian that God created us spirit, soul, and body, and that salvation is spirit, soul, and body. Right now, we don't have any sort of government regulation over the part that's invisible to the eyes with the spirit. But what would happen if the government regulated the part of salvation referring to our soul or our bodies? And what if the way the government actually built this was by us 
the Christians actually helping to finance the government, replacing our salvation. You know, if enough people stood up and said, forget this, I'm going to pursue salvation directly from my Savior, and I'm not going to finance a system that's at war with my salvation and my Savior, eventually that system would have to collapse because there'd be no money left in it. It's interesting how the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. You know, whenever I was practicing law, you see this a lot, a lot. You read so many cases that really come down to a love of money, people being greedy. I'm going to share with you one story that uh, was not a good story, but there was a medical doctor out there who was performing hysterectomies on a bunch of women and they did not need them. But the doctor was lying to them to tell them that they needed it so that he could pocket the $10,000 for performing the surgery. That doctor made a lot of money before he eventually got busted and sued over it. He loved money more than he loved his fellow man, technically woman in this case. I could share with you case after case after case after case after case of how the love of money has invaded what we believe is a system there to help our health and our healing and our bodies. And it looks like it's good, yet it brings a whole lot of death, especially when viewed from a huge bird's eye view. We'll talk about that more in a few episodes down the road when we get to the knowledge of good and evil and how it makes it seemingly look like we're doing good while we're actually bringing death to our fellow man and helping some of our fellow man get rich off of that death. I want to talk practically for a little bit. You know, I teach, I'm teaching and I'm preaching what the Lord's been putting on my heart, which is a lot of reformation. It's a lot of taking a look at these systems, which seemingly seem good to the fallen human's mind, but they are not from God. And part of the issue is as we're kind of waking up to these things, the things that most of us have known all our life. For me, I was born and raised in Texas. And there's a certain understanding and way of life that I've had my whole life. Except that I've just more and more and more been waking up to the reality that a lot of the things I was taught were just false. They're wrong. They seem kind of good. But if they were truly from God, surely they wouldn't be so ineffective. I mean, we see all throughout the Old Testament, look at the Exodus, look at God's ability to keep health and healing on his children as they stay plugged into him and walking with him. God has incredible power to do that. There's incredible success. We don't see the children of God who come to him for healing, getting killed off of sickness and disease. You don't find that. You do, however, actually find a story in the Old Testament of a man that pursued not God, but rather doctors and died because of it. Just in case you're unfamiliar with that story, I'll read it really quick. It's Second Chronicles chapter 16. I'm going to start at verse 12. 
In the 39th year of his reign, Asia was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asia slept with his father, dying in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut for himself in the city of David. I'll dig into this a little bit more when we get to the knowledge of good and evil. But the belief system that has replaced God with man as our healer is from the knowledge of good and evil. It's actually kind of a form of idolatry. It's hard to grasp, hard to fully see at first. But I mean, imagine I was, you know, I'm a Christian man, born again, faith in Jesus Christ. I assume most of the people following my podcast probably are or will be at some point. But imagine I was like, you know, Jesus is cool, but I'm going to go worship Buddha today because I need a spiritual experience and I'm not feeling it from Jesus right now. Well, many of you would look at me and be like, idolatry, pagan, heathen, you know, horrible, horrible. Yet my Savior is the Savior of my spirit, my soul, and my body. So why do we believe it's okay to run to somebody other than the creator of our body for the help with our body? And we think it's okay and approved by God. Yet we see here with Asia, the king of Judah, that he actually died because he didn't go to God. Notice scripture doesn't say going to the physician was going to God. It seems to draw a line that they're two different things. But back to the practical part of this. So I'm not here to condemn the very life that I was raised in, but I am here to wake up and say, okay, I was raised understanding doctors, doctors, medicine, medicine. I was raised in America, so it's Western medicine. A lot of what I was raised to see. And many of my friends that went for Western medicine, whenever they had, you know, life-threatening conditions, we buried them. It didn't work. That's kind of eye-opening at some point if we step outside of ourselves and outside of our obsession with the knowledge of good and evil. And, oh, this seems like a good thing. Oh, this seems like a good thing. At some point, we have to shut up the knowledge of good and evil and that voice that declares things are good. And we have to say, yeah, but is it God? So that's been kind of my awakening is just waking up and saying, all right, if the Lord has paid the price for the salvation of my body, but all I have known is doctors most of my life, well, I don't want to be that crazy guy that's like, I'm just going to flat out reject doctors today and then hope it works. And yet I don't even know how to have faith in my savior to receive my salvation. That was kind of some of the old school mentality that I've talked about. You know, the old school, uh, some of these old school healing evangelists that were, hey, you have to forsake 100% any and all help from doctors before God will help you. Well, okay, that was a teaching from back in the day. That's not what I teach and that's not what I believe. However, I do believe that as we wake up and realize those doctors aren't our savior. Jesus Christ is our savior. Helm and Helm alone, the creator of the body, still has the right to heal the body if we just submit our body to him. So what do I do practically? 
Well, I'm going to tell you what I've been doing. I'm going to tell you what's actually been working for me and I'm having more and more success with. So before I started this series, I shared a little bit about some of the awakening that I've been having, the Martin Luther calling and some of that, which I would encourage you to check out if you haven't had a chance. But the Lord just began to show me himself as my healer. He didn't start saying, oh, doctors are the devil. He, he didn't say any of that stuff. He just began to reveal himself to me more and more as him being the one that I can come to, that I could abide in him and I would find life and life abundantly. And as I began to abide in him, I began to experience more and more life. And I began to see healing of things. I think I've shared with you that I began to see healing of, I got healed from my sleep apnea, which is something I suffered from, from a, for a really long time. I did not even have to ask for healing of that. It just came to my body as I was abiding in Christ and his life was in me. I had a cyst on my left wrist, which I actually struggled with for a couple of months. Honestly, I struggled with the, the mentality of trying to believe for getting healed for it. Because for me, I had never seen like, oh, hey, look, there's a lump. Let's just try to believe that God is real enough that he'll touch my body and make this lump go away. It took me, after seeing hundreds of miraculous healings, it still took me a couple of months to press in and receive that. Well, what if something happened to me that was absolutely life-threatening and I was not at a place today to know how to have faith in God? That's what that that's the mentality we need to address because that's, you know, kind of an elephant in the room if you will. We've established that Jesus Christ is our the healer of our bodies, that going to people other than Jesus Christ does not produce the same results as going to Jesus Christ. But what about today if I'm not at that level with Jesus Christ? What do I practically do till I get there? And here is my thoughts of what I would encourage you to talk to the Lord about pursuing in your journey. You could actually spend the next two or three years studying, whether it be part-time or full-time, just beginning to study and learn more about the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is as your Savior. If you don't understand the physical healing part of salvation, there are excellent teachers and training programs, and I'm even working on one myself. And you can go get on many of these today and begin studying, some of which are free. You spend the next couple of years renewing your mind, learning more and more how to practically believe in Christ. And you take and teach that to your kids, your family, your friends as much as possible as you begin to have breakthrough. You don't necessarily have to be condemned about, you know, seeking medical help and care. The only thing you've ever known to do in the meantime, do that, do that. If the Lord guides you to it, go for it. If the Lord doesn't condemn you for it, you do what you're comfortable with as you're pursuing the Lord. And you ask the Lord to help you more and more grow in your ability to receive salvation through Jesus Christ to where you no longer need to go to a man as an alternative to salvation through Jesus Christ. I believe that God loves us enough and he's compassionate enough and we're in an awakening right now. You know what an awakening's about? It's about, oh my gosh, there's an area that we've been unplugged from God and it's time for us to plug back in. He's not going to be sitting here smiting and condemning us for trying to come back to him and believe in him. That's a wonderful thing. And I believe God will practically help us. He has for me. 
He helped me to begin to awaken and awaken and awaken to the point where, you know, I just didn't need the medical help for a lot of the things. And quite frankly, most of the time I was going to doctors, I wasn't getting any of the help that I actually needed. You know, when I came back from the Iraq war, I had a lot of issues. And I'm just going to tell you, there were doctors out there that were fighting left and right. They could not figure out what was going on. This is a huge thing with Gulf War veterans. You go to the, there's a whole research thing because they don't have a clue what's going on. They have no idea. Is it the injections? Was it the anthrax experimental vaccine? There's a lot of people that were injected with that that came out with the, you know, a lot of the same medical conditions. What about the radiation exposure, the depleted uranium? What about the smoke pits and the burn pits? For those who don't know, uh, over in Iraq, you know, in Afghanistan, they had a lot of these burn pits where it was just all kind of horrible things being burned. I mean, everything from random chemicals to dead human bodies to all kind of stuff. You would literally walk out at lunchtime and you'd get to smell, you know, the smell of burning flesh and burning chemicals. Honestly, that was a day I usually just skipped out on eating. It was hard to step outside of, you know, the, the, the living quarters in Iraq, knowing that you're smelling dead people burning and thinking I'm supposed to be walking to lunch and eating right now. But there goes my appetite. So then the doctors say, oh, it's mental. You've got mental problems, psychosomatic. You know, the doctors don't have a clue where much of this Gulf War symptom comes from. And it doesn't really matter whether they figure it all out because there's only one person that's a healer and it's Jesus Christ. And he'll heal anything that came from anywhere at any time. Do you remember the story in the book of Acts chapter 3 about the lame beggar that was healed? He was lame from birth, from birth, and was healed through the power of Jesus Christ through Peter. And 5,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ over one healing. 5,000 people were witnesses to the fact that Jesus is willing to heal them even of something going all the way back to when they were born. We've got to get that kind of assurance in our Savior. And I think it's a great time to just begin to pursue the Lord more and more as our healer, not to be condemned for having other belief systems, but it's definitely a good time to begin to surrender even the things that we thought to be good to God and say, okay, Lord, teach me. You teach me how life and health and healing works. Not some guy that went to college because the guy that went to college didn't create the universe, nor did the people teaching at the college, nor did the people that designed and created and built the college, nor did the researchers who obtained the data that was imported into the college. None of that was the creator. You have the voice of God himself living inside of you, teaching you everything about the world and the way it works. That is where you find life and health and healing. It comes from that voice. As we pursue and grow more and more in the Lord, I do think we have a practical issue. And the practical issue is as the Christians begin to discover salvation through their Savior when it comes to their bodies, what about this health care system, the insurance system, where we are required to pay money 
to actually support a system that is at war with our salvation. Think through this with me. If you had been raised in a household where you understood that health and healing came from God, your whole life you understood that. You were raised somewhere outside of you know America, and that's all you knew. Health and healing from the healer, from the creator. Salvation from the Savior. And you walked in it. You lived it. You received it. It was your normal experience. And then one day you moved to America, and America said, hey, you're going to pay for our system of health and healing over here. And you're just sitting here thinking like, hold on, health and healing is free through Jesus Christ. Not through some guy experimenting on my body, but through Jesus Christ. Why would I, as that guy, successfully walking out my salvation, why would I want to be forced to financially support a system that was actually contrary to my beliefs? and was at war with my beliefs, and was far less effective than the salvation of our God. If that system was no longer financed, as people turned to the Lord and found that He is in fact faithful, believe it or not, we're not waiting on Jesus Christ to one day be faithful to salvation. He has already been faithful all the way to death. When we are struggling to receive we may find there's an issue with faithfulness, but we'll never find it on his side of the equation. And again, that's not something to be condemned over because it's the way that we were raised. Repentance is all about taking the things that we were taught and surrendering them to the Lord and just saying, okay, Lord, well, this is the way I've been living because this is what I believed. Give me some new beliefs that give me help. Give me healing. Give me health. Give me those experiences of divine healing just instantly, regularly, as a normal way of life. And as we begin to press more and more into that and receive success with that, we can forget the things that lie behind and move on to that which lies ahead, which is a greater level of faith and a greater level of experience of walking out our salvation for the fullness of our being. Not just an after-we-die experience, but also an as-we-live experience. I will do one podcast episode where I will just discuss a lot of the different people out there that are functional in healing and that have some decent trainings in them. I'm going to give you a place to start practically. I'll do that probably within the next week or two because I don't want you to be left where I was growing up, struggling, saying, hey, I'm reading it in the Bible, but man, I'm sure not living it. How do I make it go from something I'm seeing in a book to something I'm seeing in my life? I want everyone to begin to have that experience and that breakthrough with their salvation. Not only that, the world is desperate for it. And for those who can't see it, there's actually kind of a spiritual war going on right now where they're trying to replace the message of salvation. And they've successfully done so to a good degree. And the church doesn't realize it because, you know, it was some stuff happened in the medieval age where there was a lot of these theories that came in, all of these bad theologies, which I covered on my message of the 12 doubts, a lot of which was taken from my mentor, Roger Sapp. But a lot of this theology came in and caused the church to quit believing in healing. And we begin to get this mentality that, oh, well, you know, God will just do it if it's real, but because he's not doing it, it must not be real. 
That's a huge misunderstanding. That's like me wanting to fly an airplane and I'm just going to go sit inside, you know, the front of the airplane and saying, well, God will just make this thing take off if it's his will. But if it's not, well, you know, that's not how that works. The reason why we were able to successfully fall for that, which was a deception from the enemy, is because we do not fully comprehend what salvation truly is. That is part of the awakening right now. I'm not going to cover it today, but next week I'm going to do a message called Missing Keys of the Reformation. And I'm going to show you the things right now that God needs his children to wake up to, to bring a reformation that the world is waiting for. For those of you who think the whole world is just going, oh, wicked and evil, and we're on the brink of war and all that, we're on the brink of a reformation, not just a revival, but a reformation. God is trying to invade the world, but he needs you to help bring that message to the world. And so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to get filled with that message from God. We have to begin to live that message. We can't just have theory and facts and data. And so for you, if this is, okay, well, that's a good theory, but how do I live it out? That's what I'm going to encourage you towards. That's what I'm going to start trying to give you some tools so you can get equipped with. Spend the next year or two, just dedicate yourself to the Lord, to pursuing these things. You know, for me, I started putting away the distractions. You know, I was watching the television shows and I'm not hating on TV. I'm not hating on any sort of entertainment. But I will say there was a time that entertainment was more valuable to me than my spiritual growth. If you find yourself in that circumstance, I'm going to encourage you just to come to the Lord and say, Lord, give me a hunger Help me find that hunger. Help me to start picking up your book and reading it. Help me to begin to talk to you. Just ask the Lord for help. There was a time that I finally entered into this and I spent so much time in the presence of God. It was so loving and it still is. So much love coming from God. I began to value it more than I valued entertainment or mindless entertainment, or comedy entertainment, or just any kind of entertainment. It was more exciting for me to spend a moment with God than it was to spend a moment being distracted from God. I want to give you some encouragement from Romans chapter 10. I'm going to start with verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That word saved here is sozo. It includes physical healing for your body, deliverance for issues of your soul, and eternal redemption for your spirit. I would like to encourage you that your Savior truly is faithful and that when we call upon the name of the Lord, it's far more effective than we when we get a whole bunch of friends together to pray that it will work as we call upon the name of some guy down the street. Let's go to verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you see, it's the name of the Lord that we have to call on to be saved. I'll get to the knowledge of good and evil later this week, and I'm going to get into the belief system that causes us to call on other people 
instead of the Lord and yet still believe that we're pursuing the Lord. It's actually kind of a deception that comes from the fallen nature, but we'll talk about that later this week. Moving to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So they have to believe in him first to call on him. What it means to believe, we'll talk about at another time. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I'm not going today heavily into the subject of faith, but I just want you to put yourselves in the shoes of Paul really quick. As Paul is writing this verse, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's a popular memorization verse, but what is faith and where does it come from? I'm just going to give one quick look here, putting ourselves in the shoes of Paul. So he's writing this book to the Romans, and in Rome we have both Gentiles and Jews. The Gentiles, this message is to them just the same. And do you know what Paul is not bringing to the Gentiles? He's not bringing the Old Covenant. That's right. The Old Testament and the Old Covenant is not what's being pushed upon the Gentiles. None of the Old Covenant. The reason why this is important is because sometimes we have this belief that faith comes by reading the Old Covenant. And yet, if I was a Gentile living in Rome, nobody would have even brought that to me. Why would I need that? I'm not a Jewish person. I don't follow all that stuff. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. So faith would not, for me, come from reading the same thing that the Jewish people were raised reading. That's not what Paul's indicating here. Is Paul indicating that I have to read the New Testament to get faith? Well, interestingly, there was no New Testament. I mean, unless Paul like had just assembled the whole thing and sent them an autographed copy, but that was not the case. So where does faith actually come from? If it doesn't come from just reading, if I'm a Gentile and it doesn't come from reading what the Jewish people know, which is contained predominantly in the Old Testament, and there was no New Testament at the time, here I am standing, you know, in the year, I don't know what year it was, but shortly after Christ, I don't have a New Testament. I don't have an Old Testament. And yet Paul's telling me I can have faith. And he's telling me that I can have it from the word of Christ or the word of God. Well, that's because God is real. He actually still speaks to his children. We don't always necessarily realize when we're hearing from God, which we'll get to when we get to the missing keys of the Reformation. I shared a little bit with you about that in my Martin Luther story before this series, that prophecy and healing, the ability to hear the voice of God and the ability to understand healing the sick and receiving healing are two huge keys to this Reformation. But here is especially important because Paul is telling us that faith comes from our ability to hear God speaking to us. 
There's a scripture that talks about it quickening our mortal bodies, bringing life to us from the spirit within us that rises up and it manifests in our flesh and in our bodies for life. That's where healing really comes from. Now, I can preach to you from Scripture, and I'm not knocking Scripture. I read the Bible every day just about. I spend a lot of time in prayer and in communication with the Lord talking about the Bible. But we just need to understand in this particular Scripture, Paul was not talking about faith comes from me reading the Bible. It comes from me hearing the Word of God. It is possible, which I'll talk more about when we get to the knowledge of good and evil, and we've already discussed a little bit, but it's possible for me to read the Bible in a way that I'm not hearing the voice of God. I can read the Bible and use my own fallen nature, my own knowledge of good and evil, and try to determine for myself what it means. But I can also read scripture and say, hold on, let me talk to the Lord and listen. And as I listen and plug into him, as I'm hearing him, that is where faith comes from. I spent so many years of my life just mindlessly pursuing the knowledge of good and evil, the natural operating system of the fallen human, not knowing that it wasn't me, even though it still lived inside of me. And I began to discover that really didn't produce the faith of God and the faith that produces the miraculous results that we see all throughout Scripture. I hope today's message has been an encouragement to you. I definitely think we've got some work to do, um, all of my fellow Christians out here. We've got to start understanding our salvation, pressing into our salvation, and then we need to begin to bring that to the world. And at some point, we have to quit financing the world's fight against our salvation.